Well, today, as you can see, it's a little different, all right? We have some candles up here. I'm sitting, which is not normal, and so it's going to be a little bit different morning today, but I just want to break the news to you guys this morning uh, that Christmas is in three and a half weeks. All of your blood pressure just rose, right? You're like, three and a half weeks. I don't have much time. So even though we just spent much, much needed time with family, friends, watching football, so begins the sprint to Christmas Day, right? So begins the sprint. Some of you started very early on Friday morning. Some of you are starting now, but now is the time where we are sprinting toward Christmas Day. But before we start that sprint, it's always good to, to pause and reflect on Christmas as a whole. It's always good to put aside the hustle and bustle and to just slow down for a moment because if we're honest, if we don't slow down for a moment, this season could just fly by without us even realizing it. And so that's exactly what we're going to do today. We are going to take some time and to reflect on Advent. Now, if you don't know what Advent means, that's okay. Some of you are like, oh, what's Advent? Others of you, I say that word, and your childhood memories are flowing through your mind of how you lit the candles as children or, or whatever your tradition may have been. But today we're going to look at what Advent is, and so, so that we're all on the same page. Advent, the word Advent, simply means arrival or coming. And so when we use this term around Christmas, we're talking about, of course, the arrival of Jesus or the, the coming of Jesus, because that's what Christmas is all about, right? It's all about the idea that Jesus came to us, Emmanuel, we just sang about it, God with us. You see, even in the secular realm, you, you walk through the stores, what songs are you hearing? It's like the only time of year where there are songs played in the secular realm that are all about one thing, and that's the arrival of Jesus. And it's acceptable in that, in that, in that moment. And so we talk, we're talking about this arrival of Jesus. And with Jesus, what we have to understand is that when Jesus came, he ushered in, I'm going to go back to this, he up, ushered in hope, he ushered in love, he ushered in joy and peace. And so because of that, because Jesus brought with him those aspects throughout the centuries, the church has used this as a symbol of the arrival of Jesus and what he brings with him. So he brings hope, he brings love, he brings joy, he brings peace. And then the center candle, it's all centered around Jesus, which is the Christ candle. And then the wreath, signifies eternal life, right? A circle is an infinite. It symbolizes eternal life. So just like communion, just like baptism, this is merely a symbol of something greater, which is the arrival of Jesus and what he brings with him. And so today we're going to just pause and reflect on Jesus. But not only that, we're also going to be challenged because here's what I want us to challenge us today. As great as it is to, to think about what we've received through Jesus, what I want to challenge us today is that what we do receive through the advent of Christ or the arrival of Christ, that is also what we should be giving to others. 
And so what we receive, we should also be giving to others. And so hopefully today, as we pause and we reflect on this, we'll be challenged to give those same things to others in need. And so let's just jump in. I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to start and talk about hope. God, as our lives get busy here with parties and with presents and with family, God, it's easy to lose focus on what, what this is all about. I pray that you would just slow our hearts down, slow our minds down, and help us just to reflect on who you are, what you have done for us, so that we can share that with others. God, we give you all the glory today. We pray this in your name. Amen. And so I forgot to say, we're going to talk about each candle, and then at the end of each candle, I'm going to light it, but we're also going to worship in song with what we just learned at that moment, okay? So it's going to be interactive. That's why they're still on stage, okay? And so we're going to have that in this moment. And so the first candle we're going to talk about is hope. The first candle we're going to talk about is hope. Paul writes about hope to the Ephesian, the church in Ephesus. He, he says this, Ephesians 1.18, he says, I pray, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. In Paul fashion, he begins this and he says, listen, I'm, uh, he's praying for his churches. He constantly prays for the churches that he loves and that he has planted. And one of his prayers for them is that their hearts would be flooded with light. I love that phrase. That, that brings with it the idea of enlightened. He prays that their hearts would be enlightened so that they can understand one thing, the confident hope God has given them. The confident hope that God has given them. Well, that begs the question, well, what is that hope? Well, we find it in Scripture, throughout Scripture, and I think you kind of know the answer already. But in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 21, we encounter Joseph, who, who Mary had just become pregnant by the Spirit, and we're told that Joseph, who's an upstanding guy, is like, you know what? I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to let her go. It's going to be great. And then all of a sudden, God shows up in Joseph's life. And he says, listen, don't do that. You don't want to do that. Because that child is from me. And, and the angel that shows up to Joseph says to Joseph, and she's going to have a son, and you are to name his his, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph hears from this angel. He says, listen, you're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to save people from their sins. So did you catch what the confident hope is? That Jesus, at the arrival of Christ, God has given us his son so that people could be saved from their sins. So that people could be saved from their sins. That's the confident hope we have at the arrival of Christ because we know that Jesus did eventually grow up. He lived perfectly and he went all the way, humbled himself to the cross where he died and three days later where he rose again. 
And it's because of the death and resurrection of Jesus that we can have a confident hope that what the angel told Joseph is true. That we can have hope that our sins have been paid for. That our eternity has been secured if we have faith in Christ. And you know what's amazing about this? Is that even the name Jesus itself means the Lord saves. So even his name carries a significant meaning with that. So Paul's praying for the hearts of his people that they would understand the hope that they have through Christ. And Paul says, listen, I hope your hearts are enlightened because hope always flows from the heart. But you can't stop there. Like I said before, what we received is something that we should give. Because we have been given this confident hope in Jesus, we should be giving that same hope to others. And so just like Paul is praying for this church and their hearts to be flooded with a confident hope that God has given, we should be actively wanting and praying for others to have the same hope that we have. We, we need to be people who give hope to those who have no hope at all. And so what we receive from the arrival of Christ is exactly what we should be giving to others. And so this candle represents the second candle here represents love. It represents love. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, Paul writes this to another church in Rome. He says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's Love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think Paul wants to communicate a message here, right? He said three times, nothing can ever, ever separate us from the love of God. The love of God that Paul is referring to is what is known as agape love. And so what we need to understand, you've, you've probably heard that term a lot, agape love. There are four different loves that are mentioned in the Bible. So in our culture, we only have one word for love, and that's love, right? So like I say, I love pizza, but I also say I love my wife, right? Now, those are very, very close, uh, uh, the same types of love, okay? But they're different, okay? Obviously, my love for my wife is far different than my love for pizza, okay? And that's exactly what in Scripture we see. There are four different words that people use for the word love, and so we read about, in Scripture, about a romantic love. And this is, of course, in the context of marriage. We read about affectionate love, which is family and, and animals and, and, and things of that such. We, we read about friendship love, which is brotherly affection that you would have for your friends. And then the last one, of, I already shared it with you, is agape love. Agape love, which is unconditional love. Unconditional love. 
That's what the term agape means. It brings this idea of charity to mind where this type of love is unconditional, which means that there are no conditions to God's love for us. So, so in our lives, a lot of times, hey, I'm going to love you if you do this. Or I only love you when you do that. That's conditional love. That's not the love God has for us. His love is unconditional, meaning there are no conditions. He's going to love us, period. He's going to love us, period. And so when we go back to that passage, we read how is this type of love, this agape love, revealed to us? Well, we read it through Christ Jesus our Lord. God's unconditional love was shown to you and to me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Meaning, when he arrived here to be God with us, to live perfectly for us, to die for us, and to resurrect in victory for your sins and my sins, in which all we need to do is, by by grace through faith, have faith in Jesus. God revealed that unconditional love for us. Listen, before Jesus, God's people had to follow the law. If you read throughout the Old Testament, it was always about law, and it was always about this idea that they could never live up to that law. And in the New Testament, we see that that law was given to only reveal the sinful nature that we have in our lives. But when Jesus arrived, guess what he did? He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law in which we could never do so that we could have eternal life and in our relationship with God to be reconciled. And so now through Christ, through his unconditional love, we see God's love for us. And so because of this agape love that God has for us and he's revealed it through Jesus, guess what? We get to love others the same way God has loved us. So what we've received through Christ is something that we can't hold on to ourselves, but yet it's something that we should be giving to others. We need to love those who are hard to love, who we don't want to love, who can't love. We are called to unconditionally love others. And so this candle represents love. The third candle represents joy, represents joy. One of the greatest pictures of joy is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 47, which is only half of each. Mary, the mother of Jesus, writes this. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is the beginning of what is known as Mary's song. And Mary is sitting with her relative Elizabeth at this point, and both of them are now with child. Elizabeth is older in her age. She was supposed to be barren, but God showed up, opened her womb, and her and her husband conceived, uh, which we know as John the Baptist. And then Mary's sitting here. She is a virgin, and the Holy Spirit showed up. And now she has conceived uh, Jesus. And they're sitting here and they're rejoicing. She says these words, How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
And so why are both of them so joyful in this, this moment? Well, it's actually pretty simple because God is moving and God is using them. God is moving, he's working, and he's using them to do what he wants. Mary was just told before this and before she traveled to see Elizabeth by an angel that she's going to conceive a son who's going to be great, a son of the Most High. You see, Mary, being Jewish, she would have known that the Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah. They didn't quite understand what type of Messiah they thought that he was probably come reign on earth and restore Israel to what it was. But no matter what, she would have been expecting the Messiah or the arrival of the king. And the thought that God was going to use her in his story of redemption to help with the arrival of Jesus produces this immense joy in rejoicing God. You see, this type of joy that's radiant from Mary comes when we encounter God, doesn't it? This type of joy comes when we encounter God. Many of you sitting here today, you're thinking about the time when you encountered Jesus for the first time and all the joy that filled your soul, your spirit. You see, that's what happens when we encounter Jesus. That's what happens when we live a life of intimacy with God. I love what Oswald Chambers says. He says, a life of intimacy with God is characterized by joy. Joy should be one of the characteristics that we have as followers of Jesus, as those who are intimate with God. Listen, because we have encountered God through the coming of Jesus, we now can radiate the joy that we have in Jesus to others. The advent of Christ radiates a reason for us to have joy, right? Which means that we get to live lives radiating that joy to others. Now just think about scripture for a second. Think about when, when, when the shepherds heard about Jesus, what was their reaction? Joy. When the wise men heard about Jesus, Their reaction was joy. When you read throughout scripture and people encountered Jesus, the lame man was healed. Guess how he responded? With joy. The blind man was healed. Guess how he responded? With joy. The demon possessed. Jesus even said, hey, I'm gonna gonna cleanse you from your, your demons, but don't tell anybody. And guess what he did? He went and told people because of his joy. Because of his joy that he had in Christ. We now, Because of the arrival of Jesus, we get to radiate the joy that we have because we've encountered Jesus. And so this candle represents joy. And the last candle today represents Christ. And it's in the center because what we understand and what we just talked about is that hope and love and joy and peace all rest on Jesus. He is the one that brought these to us. And so through Christ, we read this in Colossians 2.9. It says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So everything we needed in our life comes through Christ. And here's the reason why we're focusing on Advent. Because of the arrival of Jesus, he gives us hope, he shows us love, 
He radiates a reason for us to be joyful and he makes peace for us with the Father. And back to my challenge before, what we receive through the arrival of Christ is what we should give to others because Jesus arrived. We need to be people who give hope, show love, radiate joy, and to make peace. And so my challenge for all of us today is that as we leave here, that we would be people marked by Jesus. And so this candle represents Christ. As we leave here today, don't let the Christmas season sweep you away. Take time to focus on the hope, the love, the joy, and the peace all found in Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives this season. Help us to really, truly focus on you. And that what we receive from you is what we give to others. God, may we be known by the hope we give, by the love we give, the joy we have, and the peace we make. God, we give you all the glory today. We pray this in your name. Amen.